Welcome to Multi-Passionate Artists, featuring conversations with visual and performing artists, along with other creative souls on their journey, process, and entrepreneurship. I am your host, Diane Foy. My purpose is to help multi-passionate artists embrace their values, ambitions, and story so that they can slide into the spotlight with the impact and income to match. Hello, and welcome to episode 78 of Multi-Passionate Artists. Today, I have two incredible opportunities for you. All you fabulous artists out there, whether you've been following me for a while or we're new to each other, I'm here to help you get on an empowering path toward a thriving career in the arts. I've given myself a challenge to give away 30 free coaching sessions over the next 30 days for multi-passionate artists, musicians, actors who want to make a greater impact and income. I want to educate, motivate, and empower you to embrace your authenticity and purpose. Because as artists, you have the power to change lives with your talent. And if you're ready to kind of stop letting fear or lack of knowledge hold you back from achieving your dreams, head to dianefoy.com booking or grab the link in the show notes and snag yourself a free session. If you're listening to this later on, I expect the sessions to continue till about mid-March. Um, I hope that you are listening now as my next opportunity for you is happening February 15th, 17th, and 19th. Are you ready to discover what to say and how to say it? How to magically attract your dream clients or superfans? Then you need actor-turned-copywriter Marisa Corcoran in your corner. In addition to writing the words that get landing pages converting at 60% or higher, and crafting personality-filled emails, Marisa is the creator of the wildly popular Copy Chat Summit. And she helps coaches and creatives craft their uncopyable message inside her program, the Copy Confidence Society. I am a member of the Copy Confidence Society. And for all you multi-passionate artists, musicians, actors out there, the wonderful thing about having her as your copy coach is that she uses her acting experience and lots of pop culture references in her work. I draw on a lot of storytelling tricks I have learned from her in my own coaching. So I want to invite you to a free training she is hosting called the Leave Them Wanting More Masterclass. This is the perfect class to attend if you feel like you sound like everyone else when working on your copy, or you want to write like you talk, but don't know exactly how to do it. You'll learn the three-part framework to whip up irresistible words with creativity and chutzpah. Marisa is skilled at helping you create personality-filled copy that dazzles. 
I learned a lot from her and I know you'll love this free masterclass. Click the link in the show notes to grab your spot. Now, finally, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Marisa about her journey from actor to copywriter. And she gives us some great tips along the way. Hello there. Welcome to the show. Hi, Diane. Thanks for having me. It's always great to just chat with someone that you already know. You know, you've been a yeah. part of our community in the Copy Confidence Society, and I've gotten to know you. So it's just, it's always fun to do this with someone you, you know. Yeah. And like, you're an expert in something that a lot of people struggle with is copywriting. And, you know, I'm, I find like when you stare at a blank page, you have no idea where to start. <laughs> and so the Copy Confidence Society has been great for, you know, having a template and how to come up with stories and then how to relate that story to your audience, which has been really helpful. Oh, um, good. I'm glad. So I thought today we'd talk about, because you were an actor, tell me all about that. Tell me, <laughs> you know, what was it when you first were attracted to acting and what made you want to make that a career? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, I didn't know to be anything else. So I think from the time I was a kid, like a really little kid, I would play certain things in my room. So my mom will always tell the story. Like if we went anywhere, I would come home. Like my grandfather had to have I think now maybe it was cataract surgery or something where he was in the hospital. And so we were there visiting. And then when I came home, I was like playing hospital in my room. And I also like loved the movie awakenings as a kid. It's one of still one of my favorite movies with Robin Williams um, and Robert De Niro. It's one of my favorite movies. And I thought I was Eleanor, the main nurse in that, who's like the voice of Marge Simpson, I think. And for some reason, I can't think of her name. She's an incredible actress. And like, I thought I was her and was like setting up my room to be like awakenings. (laughs) Or if my grandma would go get her haircut, I would come back and like be a hairdresser. And I never wanted to be any, like, I never wanted to be a doctor. I never wanted to be any of those things, really. I just wanted to play them in some way. So it just made sense that I would be an actor. And I, um, my father was a really incredible singer or so I'm told, or so I'm told. And so I sang from a really young age. So it was the idea that theater just seemed like the next best step for my mom to put me into. And it became, I started doing theater when I was, I started taking singing lessons really young, but I started, uh, the first show I was ever in was Jesus Christ Superstar, which is my favorite musical to this day. And, uh, I was in that when I was 11. And from then on out, I was never not in a a show. I was never not in some sort of performance all the way until I went to high school. And then that's what I studied. So it was always like there, that was it. That was the path. There was no other kind of choice. I never even thought even for a moment to be anything else. Wow. Interesting. So many of us are, are especially in school, they, you know, it's all academics and uh, you know, what are you going to be when you grow up to yeah. you know, go to university and all that stuff. So, um, so you always kind of knew that's what you wanted to do. Did, was it more theater or did you have wanting to be in films and television and all that. I like the idea of films and television, but really it was theater for me. Yeah. I really wanted to me, it was like, okay, if I could be in a movie or, you know, anything, a music video, I just wanted to like be performing and be in that community. I loved 
but the sense of community inside of theater and the playfulness and that it's new every night in an audience, that's what I grew up in. And so that's what I absolutely loved. So for me, it was theater. And I was fortunate to be raised by a mom and in a family that really supported that. I never really was around anybody really, except for my third grade teacher. You know how you have those teachers that you're always like, oh, I have a few that I'm, (laughs) I know. You're like, oh my gosh. And so she was, I remember, I remember like it was yesterday. We were like going down the stairwell at my elementary school. And one of these kids in my class was saying something about, oh, Maurice is always talking about how she's going to be this. And she's going to be like, I was annoying him. You know, I'm sure about me. I was going to be famous one day, you know? And, uh, I remember my teacher being like, oh, I wanted to be a ballerina when I was little. And, you know, I grew up, you know, Marisa will grow out of that. And I remember like going home and telling my mother that, and my mother was pissed. Like my mom was mad. So I was really lucky to be surrounded by most of my teachers and people and my mom and my grandparents and people who really encouraged me to do that. I never encountered what we hear so many people say where your parents or your family is like, no, you have to get like a real job. Yeah. In fact, when I stopped acting, I think it's probably the saddest moment in my mom's life, <laughs> you know, for real, like for her, it was like, wait, what do you mean? You know? So I, I definitely had the opposite experience. I think than a lot of people. That's amazing. Yeah. And how did that career go? Like you went to university or yeah, I went to undergrad for theater. And, uh, I also studied English. So it was really when I got into college and undergrad that I really started to feel like I wanted to explore other things, not like, not because I wanted to do that, but sophomore year, my best friend, Christina, we were both theater major. She's still my best friend. Soft beginning of sophomore year is like end of freshman year. We were like picking our classes and Christina was like, I'm going to take a couple speech path classes, like speech pathology. I remember like sitting in her room and I was like, Oh, I was like, I was thinking about taking this English class I saw on the Bronte sisters. And she was like, you should do it. And I'll do this. So it was the first time that either of us had like tiptoed out of that. And today, Christina is an audiologist um, in Rochester. So she ended up going in that speech path route. And then through that became an audiologist. So it was weird. That was such a turning point. And so that was my first into the English department where I ended up loving it there so much. I did that. I added it on as a second major. Right. Um, And that was my first time where I was like, oh, this is, but still it was, I just got to like read books and write about them. Yeah. (laughs) So I still was like, oh, you can use this as an actor. I still didn't. There was a while where I thought, oh, maybe I'll leave this. I remember like junior year of college and I'll go be like some English professor but deep down, I think I was maybe just like nervous and I quickly kind of got over it after a few months and went by the time senior year came, I was like, oh no, I'm going to go and act. And I got like my first like summer stock gig, very typical to like a lot of people. I moved to New York. Um, I started acting, I waited tables and I kind of went in that trajectory for a few years where I was just like auditioning a lot. Um, and then about a few years into that, I was like, you know what? I really want my MFA in acting. And that's when I applied for school. And then that's when I went to grad school for, for acting. All right. So was, what was the learning when you were doing that auditioning? Was there anything discouraging? I guess not since you wanted to pursue your. Oh, no, 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 no. 
<laughs> extremely discouraging. Yeah. So I remember like getting to New York and like having this idea, like you hear people, okay, you have to go on all, you know, 50 auditions, you know, until you get a yes, like all these rejections, like there are all these things. I was like, okay, I'm prepared. I'm ready, you know, but I waited tables in Times Square um, at a place called the Brooklyn Diner. And I would have to be there at like 7 a.m. And I would be exhausted and I picked up as many shifts as I could so that I could, you know, pay for myself and pay for lessons and pay for everything. Uh, so I was like trying to juggle that just as like everyone does. Um, and I remember just getting to a point after about three years of that, where I was like, this isn't really fun anymore. And I would make it really close to certain things and then not get them. And that was really heartbreaking for me. And I couldn't, I wasn't very good at, uh, coming out of that. Like it could just like destroy me for a week. If I didn't, you know, be at a callback, it'd be the end of something. And I didn't get it. I would be like destroyed by it. And I got to this point where I was like, I need to give myself some sort of like ultimatum. And the ultimatum, I came back from doing a show. I was doing Man of La Mancha. And when I came back, I was like on the subway platform. And I thought to myself, I'm going to give myself this ultimatum. I'm going to apply to grad school. If I get in, I'll know that I should keep doing this. And if I don't, I'll be done and I'll leave and I'll go home and I'll figure out where I want to go from there. And both options seemed equally cool to me at the time. Yeah. I was like, I'm just going to work my ass off to do really well in these grad school auditions. If I get in, I'll know this is the sign. And if I don't, then I'll be like, okay, I'll go do something else. I was totally open to what that would be. Yeah. And then I, you know, I worked really hard to audition and I, I did get in. And so I went and I gave it my, you know, gave it my all in grad school. And then, and then what, when you finished? So when I finished grad school, I went to the American Repertory Theater at Harvard. Um, and that was a great experience. I loved my experience there. And I had, um, I say I had a really great experience there. <laughs> I'm like, how much time do we have? You know, grad school is rough for anybody who's ever done grad school as an actor or anything. It's just like, you're rolling around for three years, just like feeling your feelings <laughs> and, yeah. you know, all sorts of, you know, and, and dealing with, uh, you know, there was only 18 of us in the program. So you get to know people really intimately and everybody's stuff is coming up and we're all like, you know, um, and you go, you study abroad together. We went to Russia and it was just, I actually learned a lot about myself as a person. And for that experience, for that, I am truly grateful. I wish that I don't know a lot of other programs where you get to have that kind of, I learned so much about myself from like what I needed to eat to like sustain me through the day and how I could manage stress. And that I was really good at memorizing things. And I was really magnetic doing these kinds of things versus this. And I made some of my dearest friends there as well. Um, and then when I graduated, I had an agent, uh, I went back to New York and then I started auditioning and doing it again, again. I felt like I thought maybe something would change. Yeah. (laughs) It was like, all of a sudden I found myself back again. And I was like, I can't, I can't go back to waiting tables. And I was nannying for a family and I love that family, but I was like, I can't keep doing that. Like, I, I, I don't know if I can go back. Like to me, I thought it would change it and it really didn't. And, and, um, that's when I really started writing. That's when a friend of mine suggested that I had this undergrad, this other major in English and writing, and maybe I could use that. And my friend was a, a, a coach who was a parent coach um, online. And that was like 2013. So the online world was a little bit of like the wild west. Yeah. But it was when like actors and artists, which she was, were starting to kind of have these like side gigs and having these kind of coaching 
things that they were doing. And she was like, these people need help with the, their, their writing that they need for their websites and their emails and social media. But it was still like, you know, it was the wild, wild west. And I was like, I could do that. And so I started, she got me like my first few jobs. And slowly I started to build that up where I could let go of the family I was nannying with. And it became that if I wasn't auditioning, I was writing on the side. And that took like a, about two years for that to happen, but it happened where I was just writing if I wasn't acting. Yeah. And the job, I guess, is more flexible too in time. Oh, way more flexible. I can make my own hours. I could yeah. do it. That was hard for me though. Cause I was like, well, what are my hour? I didn't know when I worked best, when I wrote best, oh, it yeah. was weird. Cause I was used to like, oh, I nannied at this time. I auditioned my, my, uh, my lessons were at a certain time. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, when, like, you know, if I didn't pick up Allie from school, that was bad. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> if, you know, but if I had to write for somebody, I have you did, like, it took me a while to get into the groove of of what, where, where did I write best? And I lived in this, we lived in a studio, literally there was a wall, but it was a studio in Astoria. I had this little desk, like right off the kitchen. And it was like, when I'm talking, the desk was like, looked at a wall and it was like in a corner by the hallway. So I had to like teach myself how, what my like process was going to be to write good copy for these people that were hiring me and balance that for a while. Yeah. And at what point did you just not want to do acting anymore? Yeah, that's a great question. So I had an audition. I always said this, like Winnie the Pooh broke me, which is kind of like comical because I do understand that like auditioning is part of the process as an actor, right? Like, and, and uh, I've listened to so many podcasts now because I love to listen to podcasts of creative people and artists and actors way more than listening to like business coaches or like in the online world. I, yeah. I was like maxed out on that. And last year I, um, I shifted it and it was a game changer. So now I listen to actors and I'm like, oh, everybody goes through this. Lots of people feel this way about auditioning. How come nobody told me? I was like, (laughs) where were these podcasts in 2013 for me? You know? Um, but I was, I gotten, uh, again, you asked me before I wanted to do theater. I wanted to do theater. Uh, and I had an audition for Winnie the Pooh to play the character of rabbit at like a, as a children's show in, in the theater. But I knew that that was kind of a gateway to getting more opportunities at this theater. And I really, really just wanted to do theater. So I worked so hard on this character of rabbit, like creating all sorts of character choices for rabbit. And that Monday came and there was, they called me and said that they no longer, that there had been a miscommunication about like my equity stat, all this stuff. And they didn't need me to come in. And I was just devastated. And I remember just staring at my husband in the kitchen. I don't know why this hit me more than anything else. Why Winnie the Pooh was it, but it was it. And I I had these overalls on because I thought that rabbit would wear overalls. I just decided that that's what they would wear. And I just started taking off the overalls one by one. (laughs) By the end of it, I swear to God, I was just like naked in my kitchen, sobbing to my husband. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I felt like my life, all my choices were dictated by someone else. I felt that I had like no creative spirit. I couldn't figure it out. And I just didn't want to do it anymore. And that was it. And then a couple months later, I woke up and I was like, well, wait a second. Well, what am I going to do now? And I still kept writing for people. I was very fortunate. I still had my writing clients. By that point, I had people on retainer and I was okay. But I was like, wait, what am I going to do with myself? Like you asked me in the beginning of this, I never thought I would be anything else. Yeah. Like ever. So I was like, well, what do I do now? And so that's when I decided, okay. 
well, what if I could take all the things I learned from acting and apply it and make myself known as a, as a writer? What if I could do that for people? And that's what I did. Yeah. I think it's something that multi-passionate artists go through is that when we're interested in something, we go all in that nothing else in the world exists. We will obsess, learn everything we can about it. And then sometimes at some point we just like, yeah, I'm over it. Next. Yeah. (laughs) On to the next thing, because like there's so many other things out there that we can explore. So that's what made me think of that is that that's a multi-passionate thing. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I'm finding myself, my, I'm finding myself in the last, you know, because that journey of transitioning to kind of like writer Marisa and starting the company and everything that was, I mean, I'd been writing like freelance before that, but really when like this began was like 2018. And so I really took 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021 was really devoted to like building the business and getting it to this great place. And lately, especially this year and towards the end of last year, I started to think about even because I've definitely incorporated my acting like that multi-passionate into the writing. I think it's something like unique that we do inside of the copy confidence society as well. But, um, I've started to think about ways where I could bring back some of those things. Like I found myself wanting to sing again. Right. And outside of like the dance parties I put on and like our house, you know, or finding myself wanting to bring back some of, I was always really great at like characters and accents and voices and finding a way to like bring them in even more. So like I do them on my Instagram stories for fun. Like I have a couple of these characters, but really trying to bring them in more and more Yeah, and bring back some of that. It's all about video and characters on Instagram reels and everything. I see people on Instagram reels. I'm like, well, what the hell? And I'm like the opposite, not a performer. So I've been avoiding reels and but I've been avoiding it too, even though I'm a performer. That, that makes no sense at all. <laughs> I know. I know. And this is I'm what like, people tell me. They're like, Marisa, it's like you're it's made, made for, for you. Reels. I know this. I answer your, your, see, people say to me, oh, Marisa, you feel it. And I try to tell all my, all my people in the society, like I try to be as transparent as I can. They're like, oh, you do it all. You're just like fearless. I'm like, no, there's things that I'm absolutely like reels have tripped me up. Yeah. But I'm like, why? And then I watch people do this and I'm like, wait this is me. This is what I was so great at, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm dipping my own toes into the real game. So mm-hmm. I'll let you know how it goes, but trying to bring back some more of those performance aspects and, yeah. and e- even more so than just kind of mentioning it or it being part of my bio or what we call the credibility star in the copy confidence society, like bringing in your past stuff and how it influences you now, but taking it a step beyond the credibility star and just actually like singing again. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And I think, you know, bringing that in, it helps attract your people too, because like, you know, I joined because yes, I needed copyright in help, like to figure that out. But it also was a draw that you get my people, you know, you understand yes. artists, you understand actors, you understand musicians, singers, um, so it helps to have someone that kind of gets the world that I'm in. Yep. Um, and so maybe we could help some of the listeners. Um, totally. They're mostly artists and musicians and actors. And, and how does cop, why is copywriting important for what they do? Yeah, that's a great question. 
I think that for artists, it's, it's interesting because we hope that people will come in through our art, right? Music, the songs we're playing, the, the visual as, you know, if we're a painter, whatever we do, we hope that people come in in that way, but we also have this added opportunity through, uh, whether it's social media or website, keep people engaged between those things or make them even a bigger fan or someone that like, I always talk about these three R's that people will remember you rave about you and refer you. So if I like fall in love with an artist and then I go to their Instagram or I go to their website, I just, I think there's a, there's a powerful opportunity with our words or to really kind of create a community of these fans in between the art and also bringing more attention to that and to your own values and to the multi-passionate things that you, you have. Like, I love to see if musicians, you know, uh, there's, um, uh, a singer that I love or like a, if I see a singer that I love and like, oh, they're also a painter or they have other things that they, they, they do. I like seeing that. And I think we can do that a lot through our words or stories or things that we tell on a, in a place like, so instead of looking at like, oh, people say I need to have social media or I need to have this, it's like taking more ownership over that. And I think that's what copy can really do for you is help you take ownership over it and do it in a way that's really exciting instead of just like, oh yeah, I have to like post or yeah. people need to know about me. Yeah. All of that is basically why I got into coaching in the first place Yeah, is like my career as a publicist, you know, musicians and artists, they just kind of wanted their art to speak for themselves <laughs> and the world yeah. is just going to come and, you know, make them rich and famous, but that's the lottery. Um, but they would, they didn't know that that foundation part. It's like they finish their project. I'm an actor. I got a part in a film. I have a new music to release. And then, okay, everyone says I need a publicist. So let's go hire a publicist. Let's hire a marketing, social media marketing, get someone else to do my social media. And, um, and then they wonder why there's still a disconnect. And I noticed there's this missing link. It's like, I can't get you pressed unless you have an active social media. And in order to get an active social media, you need to share more about yourself, share more your stories, tell, you know, there's all that personal branding stuff that comes in and that's what makes you successful. So storytelling is another way to connect. It's like connecting with people. That's what's going to draw people in. And I always say like artists that you love, you probably love them for more than just their art. Yes. You love the way they dress. You love the way their personality. You love their that they are so open and vulnerable with their stories. And you connect with them on so many different levels. And copywriting is like that important piece of that. Um, even to come up with, even if you're going to speak on a video or a podcast, like it's still stories. So you know, the copywriting, you can still kind of use the copywriting as like a script. A hundred percent. Yeah. We talk about this a lot in the society, as you know, Diane, it's not just the words that you write. It's also, if you're speaking, what we're doing right now is copy, Mm -hmm. right? And it's these, it's being able to share these kind of little micro moments and, uh, something that we do in this society. And you can tell me, Diane, if it was helpful for you, I don't know if you remember in module one, 
we talk about like your motifs. And I think it's important for people to think about our artists and multi-passionists to think about different kind of, you know, we ask questions like, where can we find you on a, you know, a weekend morning or, um, you know, what are, you know, the favorite outside of the art, what are your other things that you love to do? And it's important to know what you're not going to share. I think what trips people up is they think I have to just share everything and all the things. Yeah. Um, and that's not true at all, but what are the things that you do want to share, do want to talk about? And we kind of talk about like, what are those outside of the business or in this case of the art that you do love to do, um, sharing even more, what are some things about your art that you love to kind of show other people or teach or break down, or, you know, what are some aspects of the great things people are saying about it that we call it like social proof, but you can do the same thing for your art, what the rate, you know, the reviews and stuff that you're, that you're getting about what people are saying. Um, in fact, I was just thinking about this because my brother and his partner just, uh, they bought last year, um, this gorgeous property in the Berkshires. And it's like a fairy tale there. And I was kind of explaining this to them because it's a little bit different. Like, yes, they have a business, but it's a little bit different. And I was showing them like on the Airbnb, they have all these reviews or things that people have been saying about staying there. And I was like, you need to share this on social media or share this in a newsletter. Like you need to say that's an aspect. I think in all a lot of times, if you're an artist, you think you just got to keep creating from scratch. But the littlest, you know, there's these little moments of somebody who's reached out to you and like sharing the way that it's making an impact Um, and thinking of it like that a little bit more than like the slog of, oh, I have to, you know, share stuff. And I think that's important to sit down and think about like, what are your motifs as we call them? Are those themes or those like buckets of things that you can share about your art, maybe break down and talk about a little bit more, you know, it kind of for the lack of a better word, more of like an educational or like a teaching standpoint. And then um, how can you share what other people are saying, other things that you love to do outside of that art and um, playing with that a little bit more? Yeah, like my favorite part of coaching artists is the beginning, the first few sessions where we talk about like, what is your vision? What are your goals? And then why do you want that? The why. I'm really big on the why. It's always my favorite one of session because it's a breakthrough because people don't stop to think about why are you doing this? And I think, you know, getting clear on that and going through coaching on limiting beliefs and core values and, and all that inner work makes the rest of it come a lot easier. So because I've had coaching clients that want to skip that just get to the part where you're going to teach me about social media and publicity. And it's like, but it's going to be so much easier if we do this inner work first. And I think that then it's not as easy to, or not as hard to come up with things to write about on social media because you've already processed it all. You've got a really clear vision of why, why this dream of being an actor why do you want this so badly? And it also helps you keep going when the obstacles come up because yeah. there's a lot of struggles. So, and that all comes when you're doing the copywriting, you've already explored these things. So it's a little easier to share them because sometimes like it's vulnerability that you're sharing and it's hard, yeah. but it kind of builds up your comfort zone. I so agree. Yeah. I will, I'll refer to it as like your skin in the game. 
You know, like, what are you doing it for? And even myself, when I've been thinking about doing the reels, I'm like, I don't want to do reels. I want to go like read my book, my book every day, or like watch Yellow Jackets or do something. Yeah. And then I'm like, no, what, my skin in the game. What am I doing this for? Okay. I got to go back, back to it. And what am I hoping that it's going to bring me? Yeah. And play with it a little bit first before I decide it's not for me or throw it out. And that skin in the game always helps me connect back to what I'm doing it or what the next level of what we're trying to achieve inside of the company is. Yeah. yeah. Like I love following Jasmine star because she's so mm. like do the work that most people won't do. And yeah. she would even say, I don't want to be dancing in these reels. I don't want to be doing any of this video stuff. <laughs> she's actually an introvert. And the thing is her dreams are bigger than her comfort zone. Yeah. So I always tell myself yep. that it's like, I don't want to do any of these things. I don't want to be on video. I don't want to be telling my stories, but if that's what I got to do to get where I want to go. Okay. <laughs> let's yeah. step up. I agree. And I think there's a balance too. Cause I was just talking about this yesterday in the copy chat, Facebook group. I was talking about this in a live. I think there's a balance between it. Like to me, I'm really great at letting myself be bigger than my comfort zone. I mean, that's how the business was built was just me literally flying by the seat of my pants. Yeah. And I was terrified for about a year and a half, like straight, just yeah. like a year and a half straight of just like, what am I doing? Um, and I think now I'm in a place where I go, okay, I, I want to keep doing that, but I also look and go, okay, is this something that I actually do like, cause a lot of people will say, oh yeah, Facebook groups. Oh, that's the thing. And we have a very successful free Facebook group. So I was just talking about this yesterday, but I always tell people, if you're not going to like it, if you're not going to keep up with it, people are going to sense that. Yeah. So you got to know that a Facebook group is a commitment. Yeah. And you gotta, you gotta, you gotta at least like it or be willing to like it. And if you don't, then don't do it. Yeah. There's other ways that you can call. There's no one one right way to do it. So it's like finding that balance. But what I always tell, but people love to just go to this first. Oh yeah. I'm not going to love it. So I'm not going to do it. It's like, wait, wait, wait a second. <laughs> Actually, but why don't you give yourself a chance to try it first? So I'm always like, you know, kind of as a consultant and a mentor, like riding that with people or people just like, they want that out, but it's like, but wait a second, you didn't even try and do it yet. Yeah. <laughs> and like, so it's like riding that balance. I like, I love the Facebook groups that I'm in and the programs I'm in. So I love Facebook groups. And I have my own, but I'll be the first to admit that like, I suck at it right now because again, like all last year I was avoiding being on video. I was mm. avoiding trainings and things like that. And it's like, yeah. why would anyone come to my Facebook group? There's nothing yeah, there. You're so great on video. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, no, you're great. But isn't it so weird? We put that on ourselves so much. Yeah. Like I, it. It held me back for so long. And then now when I actually do a video, I'm fine. It's not even that it's, I think it's, do I know what to say on video and the technology drive me insane, but I'm figuring it out next yeah. week. Oh, I'm yeah. going to be a video creating machine. Um, oh, good. <laughs> finally. Um, yeah. And I've I done so many things. I've knocked over my laptop <laughs> You name it, I've done it technically. And by the way, most of those videos I have never even taken down. So they're like in the copy chat Facebook group. So it's not just me saying it. Like you can see videos where 
I've literally knocked over a laptop. Yeah. The camera's done this. It's gone out. It's done like, I mean, I've done it all. And I'm always like, okay, I'm still here. People are still here. It's yeah. Okay. And then also that's maybe another reason why I was drawn to the Copy Confidence Society is that, okay, well, if I don't know what to say <laughs> in video, let's yeah. go over here and learn how to tell stories, how to do this. Um, the only thing that I think I'm really stuck on now is my brain doesn't work in three easy steps to do this. Right. And that's kind of what they say you got to do on reels and trainings and, and my brain doesn't work that way because I don't want to give you false impression that, oh yeah, it's so easy. You just have to do these three things and you'll right. succeed. <laughs> I want totally. to sit you down and tell you everything I know from beginning to end, <laughs> Right, which is why I so like coaching. Ever... <laughs> no, totally. So have you ever thought about just like prefacing with that? Cause I'm the same as you. Yeah. So I will say like yesterday I gave this live basically on what we're talking about now, this idea of what's the difference between like, you know, I was talking about con like creating content and like, it's the bulk of your marketing when you're a business in that sense, when you're a business owner. Mm -hmm. So it should take time. Yeah. It should take time. Everyone's trying to get it done in minutes, you know, but I always try to preface by saying, obviously, and you know, we're, I, we can't touch on everything here. But what I do want to do is start you with one or two things, whether it's to do's or ideas, like shifting those beliefs yeah, to try. And I always just preface, I think as long as we, uh, just are narrating that for people and helping them understand, Yeah, you know, I only have you for so many, only have you for, you know, I like to do these videos I only have you for 20 minutes today. Um, you know, when people coach with me, we cover all, you know, every aspect of this, but today I want to just give you one or two things that have been really helping and supporting my clients. Yeah. And sometimes preface, it, like just, looking at it in that way. Yeah. If that's helpful. Like maybe give starting to think about things a different way. And then if you want to yeah. dig deeper. Yeah. yeah. And just telling them being like, there's no, I just like, there's no way I could share it all with you. Yeah. <laughs> so let me just give you this one thing. And it doesn't always have to be the three. It doesn't. Yeah. Sometimes I just get on and I'm and another thing that I will do sometimes is I will let people know. And that's where I like having this content lab. And that's what the copy chat Facebook group is for me. And I think that what's really great about things like Instagram or social media is like, you can delete the video. It can go away. There's all sorts of, so what's great is I like, I let it be some like my content lab. So sometimes I'll go live and I'll just say, Hey, I'm verbally processing this, but this is something that's been on my mind. Right. And I might not have all the connection, the dots, but I'm clear on like my motifs and I'm clear on my themes and I'm clear on the things that I want people to know. So it's a little bit easier for me to say, okay, I'm going to verbally process this today Yeah, and invite them to say, you know, pop in the comments, let me know. And it doesn't have, like, I just preface by saying this isn't going to be perfect today, which gives me permission to just yeah. kind of figure, figure it out. Well, I think it's so like with reels because it's. You know, I've been starting video with stories and I guess it kind of makes sense to maybe do the lives because, you know, yeah. I'm fine if I'm talking for a while on different things, but when it's reels, it's like three easy tips in 15 seconds. Yeah. Uh, so maybe it's not the three easy tips for yeah. you. What if it's the other things where it's kind of, you know, sharing like one of those things? Yeah. 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 You know? Or doing something more, using that for more of the fun stuff where I don't, who am I? I'm not even a real expert. So throw this all out. The real experts <laughs> can come at me and tell me, but, you know, using like the lip syncing ones where you're like speaking or just, 
I actually, I, I like was dipping my toes a little bit this summer, but then, um, as you know, Diane, I had some personal things go on in my life last year and two very important people in my life die like two months apart, but I was kind of dipping my toes in before the last copy confidence society launch. And one of my best reels that people love was just this little clip where I was talking about this person who broke into our car and they didn't take anything. And I was just like, sad that they didn't take anything. (laughs) I was like, there were Tic Tacs in there. I was like, there's one of my mom's jumbo pens in there. There was bug spray. How did they not want any of this? And that was the real. (laughs) Yeah. And then I connected that in the caption back to the idea of like, sometimes like not trusting in terms of copy. Like I connected it back to the business, but the real wasn't the tips. The real was me actually me bringing forth my personality Yeah. more than it was bringing forth like the educational part of me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. And that brought people in through the humor and then people were reading it. And I was getting these DMs from people like, oh, you teach copy. Like they just thought it was a funny reel because I put this caption up that said, um, I can't remember what it said. I have to go look. It was like, you know, someone broke into our car last night, but here's the wildest part. Right. So people like watch the reel to see what I said. And I was like, they didn't take anything. And then I connected that like back to the business. So I didn't even do the, the three things. Right. Right. Yeah. Like it. And I'm good at like all my passions are related to my audience, except for my, you know, my cats. So cats and wine. So (laughs) that's what I have to like my cat videos. Got to somehow figure out why it's a good idea. (laughs) Yeah. Or just, you know, I love cats. Here's my buddy. Totally. (laughs) I love that. Cool. So you have a masterclass coming up. So yes, it's called the leave and wanting more masterclass. So we open the doors to the copy confidence society twice a year, and we always kick it, kick those doors open with the leave and wanting more masterclass. So it's a free copy masterclass, and it really breaks down the framework that we teach inside of the society. So how to bring more of your personality to your copy, which I think that is really powerful for artists. Cause we really talk about it. We talk about it actually using principles from acting called the, the how to uncover your copy star. We pair that with your messaging, how to talk about what you do in a clear, more concise way. And then we actually give you uh, something straight from our content module called the six post prompts. So you can use those in your social media and some of the kind of tips and stuff that we talked about today. Um, And my goal is that whether or not you join the society at the end of that class or not, that you can walk away from that free class with a few things that you really can go out and start to implement. That's my number one goal. And of course, we also offer you the opportunity um, to come into the society. So that kicks off, uh, in, in February. And I love, I teach, I give you three different times to come to for the class and they're all live. It's like Broadway. It's my theater roots. So people are like, are you really live? I'm like, yes, they are all really live. I'm there. I'm there to answer your questions. It's actually my favorite part of anything. I'm like, if I could just teach the leave and wanting more masterclass like for the rest of my life, I, I get like, I love it. And we do it in Zoom. It's not like in a typical webinar format. I can see you. You can see me. I can see how people are reacting. So I know, is this landing? Is it not? And we do it twice a year. So it's if, if you're looking to, you know, wanting to write or talk or make that copy and how you talk about what you do with more confidence, more creativity, um, I'd love to have you at the class. It's a blast. And I love to show artists how to do this because artists, we're primed for this. You don't think that you are, but you are, you are primed. You already have all the skills you need to do this. We just have to just like chip away at it a little bit. Great. I'll leave a link to the masterclass to sign up in the show notes. And where else can people find you online? 
Yeah. So the best place is to come over to the copy chat Facebook group. That is a great way to see how we talk about copy. Um, we also just talk about what TV shows we're watching and what books we're reading. That's like always big in the society and inside the copy chat Facebook group. So that's a great place, um, to get started is to come into the copy chat Facebook group. You can just search it on, uh, on Facebook. And then you can also, uh, for the masterclass, it's just my name. It's Marisa Corcoran, M-A-R-I-S-A-C-O-R-C-O-R-A-N.com forward slash masterclass. So that's for the masterclass, or you can just, um, search the copy chat on Facebook. And it's just a great way to see how we talk about copy and our approach to it. Yeah. Cool. Um, actually I was going to ask what your Instagram handle is. And then I remember, I have a question about why that's your Instagram handle. Oh, okay. (laughs) So my Instagram handle is at M Tony T O N I. And to put a nice bow on it all. When I was an actor, my name was M Tony Frado because people always called me Marissa and my name is Marisa. And I hated walking into auditions where people would do that because I found myself just on the defense, like, oh, it's actually Marisa. And I hated doing that. And also my father's name was Anthony and he was named called named Tony. Um, and also my favorite performer and singer and person of all time is Tony Braxton. So from the time I was 13 years old, I was M Tony Frado. That's like how much of like my own, like, my mom, like I was walking around saying my name was M Tony Frado. And actually, so that's why it's at M Tony. Um, and I actually been talking to my husband about doing, um, some writing, some fiction writing. And if I do it, I would use M Tony Frado if I was like the fiction me. Frado is okay. my maiden name, but yeah, that's why, that's why it's at M Tony. Marketing me said it was harder to find you Oh, because sure. it wasn't your name. Sure. Sure. <laughs> but I, it, yeah, absolutely. But I think the other ones are taken like Marisa Frado and Marisa Corcoran and M Tony was really important for me to like, hold on to in a, in a lot yeah. of ways. Um, yeah. yeah. And people can find you by your, when you fill out the name. Oh yeah, totally. And something part. else I would also tell people is like, I don't, hmm, how do I say this? I don't put all my eggs in like one basket. So for me, it's like, that's part of it, but I could find myself obsessing what my Instagram name is for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yep. It's Adam Tony and you'll find it and we'll, we'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. cool. So I always ask, what is your why? Why do you do what you do? Oh my gosh, Diane, this is deep. This is so good. What is my why? Uh, I think my biggest is twofold. I think my biggest why for me uh, really started for me financially, which is to change the financial paradigm of what I'd seen for women in my family. Well, everyone, not just women, everybody. I found everybody constantly like struggling when it came to money and also watching really super talented people never get to rise to where they wanted to go. And I wanted to see if I could shift that paradigm for my family. So that's really personal for me is to be like, could I shift that financially? And just like that confidence level that I feel like stunted a lot of the people in my own family that are super, super talented people. Uh, And then that uh, like kind of the impact is I wanted to raise as an actor. I always just wanted to raise a shit ton of money for organizations and things that I believed in. And we've been able to do that in the company. We've raised, we've raised over $70,000 for charity. Um, and that's big wow. for me. It's just how much money can we keep giving and putting our money where our beliefs are? We've given to um, incredible organizations from uh, 
mental health care for military vets to taking care of the LGBTQ uh, plus elderly community, the senior citizens, these like pioneers of pride. And so really putting my money and the company and people get to work on your copy and you get to help humans at the same time. And that's been really important to me. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This has been so informative. Thanks, Diane. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I want to remind you about my 30 free coaching sessions, which you can head to dianevoy.com slash booking or link in the show notes to snag your spot and to sign up for Marisa's Leave Them Wanting More Masterclass, click the other link in the show notes. Thanks for listening to Multi-Passionate Artists. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your fellow artists, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To connect with me, I'm Diane Foy Arts on Instagram and in the Multi-Passionate Artists groups on Facebook and Clubhouse. Thanks again.